Conversations That Matter podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. We're going to talk today and probably in a few episodes, actually, about the reaction from progressive, woke-leaning, woke-adjacent evangelicals uh, to the uh, Dobbs decision and the overturning of Roe v. Wade, because I think it's important for those who on the state level are going to be fighting this. On the on the anti-abortion side, there's a lot of fractures. I talked about it last Thursday. You have your groups that are a holistic pro-life approach. You have your groups cr- trying to carve out all these exemptions. Uh, and and, and they're going to be kind of, I think, they're going to be submitting competing bills. They're going to be fighting at th- this out on the state level in some places. And so I think for people in those states, you're going to want to know where these fault lines are. And then um, kind of the, I, I think the tactics that will be employed and are being employed uh, against really the hard liner, just consistent, really, just the consistent, well, we use we can use that word, pro-life anti-abortion folks, of which I would claim I'm, I'm one. Uh, I'm, I would be someone who thinks it's murder, just treat it like murder. So in this episode, I'm not going through, I've done this before. You can actually go check out on the channel. There's a, a whole abortion debate I did. Um, and I put stuff out there. I might do more in the future on what the Bible says about this, why we think it's murder, all that. But for this episode, I'm talking to people who already know this and we're on the same page and moving forward, what's going to happen? Uh, what are those fractures going to look like? Because um, you're going to have on the one side the uh, pro-choice, quote-unquote, but really the pro-abortion side, and they're going to be united, really, uh, or mostly. I mean, there might be some fractures in their side as well as to when you do it, but mostly they're pretty united. Uh, and then you're going to have, though, a fractured side, of which ours is. And so I want to give you the reactions that I've seen. I've uh, gone into the bowels of Twitter and Facebook today, and, and we will talk probably in a separate episode about David French, Karen Swallow Pryor, and the Gospel Coalition and their reaction. But I'm going to give you the reaction of some pastors and other leaders, and um, I've divided it into four uh, points, four, four categories. You have silence, which is a lot, a lot of people. Scott O'Neill uh, noticed the same thing. The silence from many high-profile evangelicals in the Dobbs decision is deafening. And I, I just think of even a Presbyterian church down the road from me that a lot of friends I know have gone to, and they were vocal about the Ukrainian stuff, the uh, mask stuff, the Black Lives Matter stuff on social media, but nothing about the pro-life or anti-abortion stuff in the wake of the Dobbs decision. And I don't know if that's just a fear that they, I mean, it's just shows utter moral, just insanity, but it could be motivated by fear. It could be there. could be a bunch of things. But silence is a lot of evangelical uh, elites, and it's weird to me. It's strange. Even I'm a little surprised because I thought, well, even the social justice side has had to tip their hat to the pro-life movement, and wouldn't they be rejoicing? You know, full stop, no qualification. Well, that's not the case apparently, because the most of the reactions are not that. Their silence or their support for the Dobbs decision, with the express disapproval. Uh, in the same breath towards conservatives. They can't just say, we're rejoicing today. Like, like I rejoice. The day that that happened, my wife and I went out. I, I'm still in the glow of it. But they, they have to express some disapproval towards conservatives. That, well, the pro-lifers, are, their tone is, is bad or something. And people like that, watch out for them because they're, they're without principle. They're just going to go towards the middle of whatever the two extremes are and call themselves reasonable and everyone else not reasonable, especially the conservatives. And, and that's what I'm seeing a lot of. I'm also seeing a lot of support for the Dobbs decision, but express uh, concern for mothers. And, and this one, I think, is probably a lot harder for conservatives to recognize because we all want to support mothers. That's just true. Of course we do. Of course we want 
all these resources that are given to mothers. We don't want them to, to get an abortion and we want to help them. Adoption and crisis pregnancy centers, all of that. The thing is, though, you just got to think of it this way. Would we do this with any other morally equivalent issue? And I'm saying truly morally equivalent. Like, let's say, you know, Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia or any of the communist regimes that have killed their population uh, with, of course, always the intent of creating some great equitable new world. Uh, do we, in the wake of those regimes ever falling, say something like, you know, we are so glad that the killing fields have stopped, but we need to really support, uh, we, we need to support the, the regime that's there that uh, either was complicit in this in some way or, um, or now is kind of set back because now they can't achieve the goals that they had for their society and therefore we need to give them foreign aid or something. I mean, we don't, we never do that kind of thing because it just seems stupid and ridiculous. And it is, it, it really is. Uh, we, you know, love them, love them both. Right. We should love the mother and the child. But if you're talking about mothers who are, are thinking about the possibility of murdering the, their children, um, I'm totally fine. Again, adoption, crisis, pregnancy, all that. I support that stuff. But the both thing is where I think the there's an impression given that there's that in order to 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 love a child who is being murdered under the sanction of the state, right? This is state sanctioned. It's just as good, or on that we have to put just as much effort into. We need to care just as much about the circumstances that a mother facing that decision and or considering that decision is in. And that is not true. Uh, you don't have state-sanctioned killing of mothers, right? <laughs> it's okay to kill a mother, and you can't call the police because the state gives that as a constitutional protection or something. That was the case, and in, in some states, it's still the case. Uh, it's legal to kill a child. Totally different scenario. So most of the mothers who are in this situation have uh, made a poor, sinful choice. We can say that, okay? Biblical language here. And the ones that aren't, the ones that have um, unfortunately had a, an incident of rape or they've been forced uh, to, um, to now they're impregnated and, and now you know, they're considering this option. Even in those cases, that's horrible, that's sinful, but you're never going to find a state in this country where that's somehow legal. That, oh yeah, rape's fine, right? So it's, it's not morally equivalent. It doesn't mean that all our efforts should... It, it's fine. If, if that's the Lord's calls you to the crisis pregnancy center, if the Lord's called you to, um, to adoption or foster children or whatever, totally good, fine, supportive, all of that. But don't think for a minute though, that that is somehow it, your actions in that are your, your, um, your love for, for that mother in that situation, that that is on the same moral plane as the love for a baby who's about to be killed with the sanction of the government, who should be there to step in. That's a little different. Uh, and hopefully people can see this, but I, my, my thought is that a lot of people probably can't, that this is kind of working. So, so what's happening is a lot of the energy and the momentum and everything could be channeled into this. Uh, and it's fine if you have, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that and it's good and I support it and we all should to some extent, but, um, but if you're in a state where the battle now is, hey, abortion's still legal here, but we have the option. Like if you're in, I saw Louisiana this morning. 
they they have the potential to actually end this. Um, it's still legal in Louisiana. So where are you going to put your limited resources and energy? And what's going to what, what's a, a bigger emergency? What's what's actually going to to do the greater good? Um, I, I think the triage would say you go and you you rescue the people getting murdered with the sanction of the state, right? So hopefully people understand what I'm trying to say there. Um, doing my best to explain it, but uh, I, I think this is one of the areas, and I'll show you examples where um, where you you could have this kind of softening almost of the abortion issue, and I, and I think that's what it it gives that impression at least. And then uh, fourthly, you have, um, you can use the decision, some evangelicals use the decision to gain Christian support for morally equivalent issues. So now that uh, abortion is somehow, um, it, well, it doesn't have at least the constitutional protection it did. Well, now we got to start doing work in not just like I was describing before for helping, assisting mothers who have children out of wedlock or something like that. We have to now instead fight for racial justice and minimum wage and you know, all the, the socialist uh, dreams. And so that could be the, uh, th that's the other angle that some evangelicals are playing here. And we need to recognize it when we see it. So let me start with some examples. I'll play some videos for you as we go. Um, support, but express disapproval toward conservative tone. Here we go. Here's uh, an individual by the name of Zach Lambert. Zach Lambert, um, and he's the pastor at, uh, I think it's called Restoration Church. Anyway, he's written for Christianity Today. And so I, I would say he, he would qualify to be in that Big Eva Guild if you write for Christianity Today. I think, wouldn't that qualify you? Or Gospel Coalition, that, that would probably qualify you too. But he had a tweet that made a lot, I mean, uh, had, a, had a lot of people uh, liking it. Um, and... He said, I really wish the Christians who are celebrating the overturning of Roe could see the anxious and fearful messages I've been getting from women in our congregation all day. Okay, why is that? I mean, would we, you know, I really wish the Christians who are celebrating uh, the ending of the concentration camps could see the anxious and fearful messages I've been getting from Nazis all day. Would, would that, yeah, John, you just compared Nazis to women. No, I'm not, I'm not saying women are Nazis. <laughs> I'm just saying that if, if you want to try to do an apples to apples comparison here, realize the gravity of this. It's murder. It's murder. Okay. And any person who would be considering murder, um, if they are anxious or fearful, then what, what does that have to, what are we supposed to do with that? Here's what he says. Maybe take a break from your online victory laps and listen to people who are really hurting right now. Okay, but the only women that would be hurting from this would be women that what? Would want to have an abortion or have had an abortion? Or if you had ha have an abortion, then you just confess that to the Lord as a sin. And guess what? Jesus takes the penalty for that sin and you're right with God. It doesn't mean that all the scars are, are taken away, but the scars won't be taken away by tweets from Zach Lambert either. There is no way you to, to justify it. It's wrong. It's murder. We all sin. Confess it. That's all. Go before the Lord. But um, so it's this isn't about women. It's about a specific category of women, women who are willing to soft pedal abortion somehow. I, I don't know how else to read it. He says this, if being encouraged to listen to someone else's perspective and fulfill the biblical imperative to mourn with those who mourn makes you angry, ask yourself why that is. If a pastor caring for hurting people in their congregation makes you yell at them, ask yourself why that is. Um, 
if people are mourning on the day that it is no longer uh, constitutionally protected to murder children in some states, they have an issue. I'm sorry. The people that need to be preached at are the people who are mourning for some reason on that day. And if, like I said, if they're mourning because in the past they've had an abortion, then you go to the cross with that. But they should be rejoicing too at the, that, that this practice that has done so much harm in their lives is finally ended in some states and it will not be wreaking the same havoc in the lives of other mothers. So this Zach Lambert has a broken moral compass. Um, and, and you have others reacting the same way. So here's um, uh, Adam Greenway. Now, Steve Smith is probably, someone probably no one's ever heard of. Uh, Steve Smith is just uh, the executive pastor, I think, at the church that Adam Greenway was speaking at. Adam Greenway is the president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. But I'm going to play clips from both of them. Here's how this whole issue was set up in that church. Here's what uh, how they presented it to the congregation. And and I, I have some choice clips. You can go watch the, the full video there. There's the link. Um, and, and, of course, the slideshow will be available uh, for patrons in the, in the info section here. But Check this out. This is just super interesting. This past Friday, you may have heard we had a Supreme Court decision, right? So we are to celebrate this wonderful decision. But I want to challenge us in light of that decision that as we celebrate, we also need to be sure that we are adopting the heart of Christ as we move forward from here. We want to move forward with a posture of humility and of compassion for those who are affected by abortion. So we need to be prepared to open our hearts, to open our wallets, to open our uh, willingness to serve in the ministries that provide these services and provide these opportunities for women. The Supreme Court decision last week that ended our long national nightmare of state-sanctioned abortion federally. And uh, it is something that we should all celebrate in terms of what uh, has happened, but it does not mean uh, that our work is over, uh, nor that we should have a triumphalistic uh, spirit. And in fact, even since Friday, I have been um, uh, surprised and to some degree chagrined by the way that some have chosen to uh, act and to react to what uh, has happened, especially if you uh, are on social media, if you're on the Twitter or the Facebook or the Gram, uh, you can find all kinds of uh, interesting uh, and not always Christ-honoring uh, responses and engagements. Those of us who are called to be ambassadors and agents of bringing the gospel oftentimes are not those who are found to be credible. In fact, in some cases, uh, we are known as being those who are just kind of obnoxious, uh, off-putting, that we have a tone and a tenor that isn't a fragrant aroma of the gospel, but in many cases is a stench. People aren't seeing enough that is authentically different in the life that you live and I live and in the words that you say and I say it, in the tweets that you post and I post and the posts on Facebook that you and I do to where they don't really see anything that is actually attracting them to us. And what they see actually pushes them farther away from us. So you can see in this where the energy is directed. The, the energy is on the people who... Uh, express disapproval uh, or express approval for the Dobbs decision, but are doing so with, with a tone that Adam Greenway disapproves of himself. So the energy isn't on celebrating, which is, is strange to me. It's on all those mean Christians online who are rubbing it in somehow that uh, the Dobbs decision was, was, and is in vague terms. So you don't really exactly know what they're talking about, but they're really upset about it. 
And uh, that's what I've come to expect from a lot of evangelical elites, unfortunately. It's very vague, but really angry. Um, and then you have uh, th this this next approach is support for the Dobbs decision, but express concern for mothers. And there's a lot of this. So um, Karen Swallow Pryor says, our work now is just starting. We must help and support moms, dads, and babies, love them all. And in so doing, make abortion unimaginable. That's the new thing they're all saying. Make abortion unimaginable. Um, and and then Beth Moore says, yes, step up, church. Take responsibility for the fact that pro-life is either pro-all life, which is in step with the truth of the gospel, or pro-some life, which for many is in step with political expediency. Unborn, uh, born, babies, girls, women need immense support, compassion, and care. So here's where I'm, I'm, I'm talking about. This is where I was, what I was talking about earlier about there's, there's almost like a culpability that Christians have or the church has, like, we're responsible somehow maybe for abortion because like we didn't properly care for women or something. It's, it's, it's a strange thing to say, but that's somehow this, this insane viewpoint is somehow main be, becoming mainstream. Now others aren't saying going to that extent of what Beth Moore just said, but they are saying things like here's Justin uh, Gibney from the Ann campaign. He says Roe v. Wade has been overturned. Time to double down on protecting, supporting, and advocating for sisters with crisis pregnancies, pro-life, and pro-child, or pro-women and pro-child, uh, whole life project. So you you have to be pro-women. So I mean, what does that mean to be pro-women? I thought we were pro-women, which is why we ended the legalized sanctioning, uh, sanctioned killing of of women in the womb. So, but you're you're really not pro-woman. So see, see, that's the thing. Pro-child and pro-women. That's the same thing in their minds. And it's like, it, it, this is about murder though. This isn't about whether you're pro-child or pro-woman. It's yeah. If there is a law that is let's kill women and that's fine. It's open season, constitutionally protected. Then yes, that we would, the, you, but you can, here's the thing here. here here's what I want to say. You can be, this is possible. Okay. To be someone who has worked very hard towards making abortion illegal. You can be rejoicing that abortion is illegal. You can consider abortion to be murder and you're happy that it's gone and you're not volunteering at the crisis pregnancy, okay? You're not um, adopting anyone. You are not uh, supporting mothers outside the mothers in your own family because you have a million other things you're doing, let's say. And there's nothing sinful innately about that. It's not like, so, it, and you're, you know, you support those who do, you, you like the fact that they do, but it's not like that effort is, you know, now you must make that effort. If you don't, then somehow you're culpable or somehow you, you're really not uh, consistently pro-life. No, you're still consistently pro-life. Um, and, and so, because it's a different issue. And that's the point. It's a different issue. Is it related? Yes, it's related in the sense that there are mothers who are opting to get abortions, to kill their children, who are um, facing that decision and choosing that decision and being tempted by that decision. And so that's all happening, but they're not, it's not like there's open season on mothers, just like there is on children in the womb. There's not, there never was. And so don't pretend like these are two morally equivalent issues. They're not, they're different in, in the nature of things. Uh, you have Grant Gaines here uh, from Bellevue Baptist. He says, wow, praise God for this, the Dobbs decision. All right, churches, this is his first reaction. All right, churches, it's time to rise up and double down our efforts, double double our efforts to support and ca the care for vulnerable moms and increase our participation in foster care and adoption. Which is, and there's nothing innately wrong with this, by the way. There's nothing innately wrong with that. Yes, okay, let's let's get involved with that stuff. But 
is it not a, a little bit unusual of a reaction to look what happened, what's been in the works for decades and de 50 years has now come about. And the first reaction is like, churches need to go get involved in foster care more. Um, I don't know. It just, I, this was like, this was immediately, this was like the day of. So that's why I'm thinking like, was there ever like a processing time of just celebrating it? Uh, there doesn't seem to be, have been a big one. And so, um, so that, that may be the reaction of some Christians, but you know what? Some Christians are going to, that's not going to be their reaction. In fact, some of them are going to be in political battles to try to make it illegal in their states. And that's where their, their attention is going to be put. And that's fine. Jen Wilkins, uh, Jen Wilkin, she says the era of Roe has ended. Jen Wilkins speaks a lot of Southeastern. She's, she's kind of big in the women's ministries and stuff. She says, now we redouble and expand our efforts to address the underlying factors that make abortion appear the only alternative for so many women. Let's give our money, time, and prayers so that uh, to that end to render abortion unthinkable because it's because uh, support is so abundant. And and look, I, I empathize with it. I think we should be doing that, trying trying to put those resources out there. But at the same time, again, this is not something that is. This is not something I would expect the first knee-jerk reaction to this to be. Uh, I would expect a celebration. And so there, there seems to be a overall, a general kind of pointing at the church, that the church needs to do something now. I think this plays into the progressive assumption that now there's going to be all these unwanted children. I think people are afraid of that. that, that that's the vibe I'm getting, that, oh no, there's going to be all these unwanted children now. And because of that, like we're just assuming mothers aren't going to take responsibility. They're going to have all these children and maybe they'll do the back alley thing. I mean, all of that stuff. And so therefore, um, we, we got to show that that's not going to happen. We got to get involved and make sure there's all these resources available so that women uh, can um, make. And most of these abortions come from sinful choices. Those the sinful choices can be made. And they won't have to bear the, the brunt of it. So instead of murdering their child, they, the Christians will uh, take the child, uh, get financial support, all of that. And so, I mean, I think that Christians, uh, we should be doing some of that. I think, though, also, though, we should be it, helping women take responsibility for their children and um, as much as we possibly can if we're going to be involved in that kind of stuff. And, and I, I think a lot of people in my own community, uh, people— even at my own church, who've been involved with care net pregnancy and stuff. I mean, that's that is what they're trying to do. Um, but it's uh, it's just disjointed. It's just disjointed. I don't I don't even quite have the words for it. Maybe people can put in the info section why this seems so unusual that this is like the knee jerk thing. Uh, Trevin Wax. In 30 days, my state Tennessee will no longer sanction the destruction of unborn human life. I pray the pro life ethic of welcoming into the world all human beings, even the most vulnerable and loving and caring for mothers will spread to all 50 states, make, make abortion unthinkable. It's like the same memo went out. They're all saying, make abortion unimaginable, make abortion unthinkable. Uh, the regime set up Roe v. Wade uh, has fallen. Finally, let justice flow like waters and righteousness like an ever-falling stream. Okay, so um, Trevin Wax is kind of saying something very similar here. In the same breath, you can't just say, thank God that the babies are not being murdered in a state-sanctioned way, you have to say, and we have to you know, love and care for the mothers. And and so um, I think we should. Um, I mean, we could, I, I don't know. If you, what if you put another, I'm just thinking thought experiment here, just came to my head. Like, what if you put 
in the place of love mothers, uh, love fathers. Because fathers are also part of this equation too, right? I mean, they have to supply 50% of the DNA here. Um, what, if, what if we put that? And, and in the case of fathers, they're generally not the ones being raped, right? If, if in those small percentage of cases where that happens. So uh, what about fathers? You know, we, we need to create you know, a situation, I don't know, to put our economic resources into making sure that fathers don't feel like they have to... Um, to, to rape, uh, to, to rape women. <laughs> just, we, we need to provide for them somehow and, and give them the tools necessary to, and we'd all be like, well, yeah, right. But like, why are you saying that in the same breath as like, thank God for the ending of, of abortion uh, being a state, a sanctioned as a constitutional protection? Like, why, why are we saying that in the same breath, right? So that, that's what I think makes it feel odd if I put the shoe uh, on the other foot there. Um, all right, so Steve Gaines um, had a reaction, which again, nothing Steve Gaines says here is wrong, but it's especially if you watch the sermon, it's weird because Steve Gaines is like celebratory and really just really thankful for the praise team and how well they sang. And he's so thankful for the VBS they just had or whatever it was, summer camp they just had. And he's just, and then all of a sudden his tone changes. He goes somber and he's the pastor at Bellevue Baptist. And he's, well, he's, he's high up in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, but anyway, he, so he, but then he gets all somber and he even says, like, hold your applause. And he reads this. So this is what Steve uh, Gaines uh, said uh, on Sunday. I want to make a statement and you uh, don't respond until I get through, if that's all right. We are rejoicing over the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe versus Wade. We thank the Lord for answering this prayer that has been prayed for some time. And now we must continue to pray and continue to support life as the responsibility now moves to every state. I want you to look on the screen and you're gonna see some various ministries that we at Bellevue support and also offer here at our church to help you get involved in future pro-life ministry. So, so that was Steve Gaines, and it's just, he's kind of high up in the SBC, and I, I think he's pro-life, but it's just it's a strange reaction to me. It's like, why the long face? And, and in context, he's rejoicing about the choir and how the worship team, how they sounded, and he's rejoicing about how the summer camp went for their church, and then all of a sudden he shifts tone, and he he's very serious and somber, and it's like, yeah, we are rejoicing. It's like, what? <laughs> I was happy at my church. Um, here's the other uh, strategy. This one's going to be more obvious, I think, for you. Um, Use the issue to highlight conservative hypocrisy. Use the issue to highlight conservative hypocrisy. So you have Kyle J. Howard saying, I don't trust nor desire to have any relationships whatsoever with white evangelicals who are like, our prayers were answered today. Your prayers ain't have poop emoji, read between the lines there, uh, to do with it. It was your embrace of a white supremacist sexual predator, hypocrisy and power driven means to justify an end. You trying to spiritualize, spiritualize things now. Uh, as if your faith and piety uh, that led to the SCOTUS rule. Okay, I, we're done. Here's the issue. Uh, Kyle J. Howard hates white people and white Christians in particular. That's the issue. So uh, he's th this is a man, though, who's been praised by some of the biggest, you know, he's been praised by Beth Moore, some of the biggest names in, in evangelicalism or what was evangelicalism. And that's his reaction to the decision. It's like a way to be negative about something that, I mean, and this is probably someone who would say he's pro-life. Phil Vischer, 
happy that elective abortion through viably uh, through viability is no longer the law of the land. Then he goes on, <laughs> curious to see if actual net reductions uh, exceed. I guess that there's twelve. I don't know what that means exactly. Um, so he's, he, I guess he's trying to see like, is this actually going to reduce the number of abortions? Okay. Cause that's what the leftists always say. Well, if you want to reduce the number of abortions, then you make right. That, that, that's insane thinking though. That's like, oh, you want to make sure, you know, we should legalize murder and, and then try to reduce the numbers of murders or something. Anyway, uh, concern that SCOTUS issued rulings this week that will reduce death by abortion, but increase death by gun. Okay. Wow. Concern that policies that support women and children are often opposed by those of us who also oppose Roe. Longing for a consistent commitment to human flourishing rooted in the Bible, not in the politics of the left and right. Of course, in saying this, though, he's giving away that he's kind of on the left more. Um, he's, and I think he could say easily, though, I'm, well, I can't because I'm, I'm thankful for the, uh, the, the decision. Um, but in the evangelical world, in, in where this has been just consistently over decades, there's been uh, a pro-life sensibility, but also with that, a more generally conservative outlook and really, honestly, a consistent outlook, personal That's why the gun thing is actually about saving life, about protecting and self-defense. That's the whole point, but they, they flip it around. These, these people don't seem to understand that issue. Um, and, and so he's saying that in that world, in that conservative world, he's coming out of that and, and pushing the needle and saying, well, basically they're hypocrites. The people who really think that you should have the right to defend yourself in New York City, because that was the SCOTUS ruling on guns, the people who like that, well, they are hypocrites because they uh, that's going to lead to, the assumption is more deaths by gun violence or something. And why? Why? Um, and it's a whole lot different than the state-sanctioned killing of babies. I don't think there's a state-sanctioned killing of people by gun violence, is there? Is, is it like a constitutional right you can kill someone with a gun? I didn't think so. So there is no moral equivalency here, but Phil Vischer is Phil Vischer. Then you have uh, Derwin Gray, super popular pastor in the SBC. Uh, he says, when I speak out against gun violence and need for new gun laws, they say, shut up, you liberal. When I speak out against abortion, they say, shut up, you conservative. Kingdom of God theology makes the right and left upset. So this is how they like to position themselves as if, um, e even when it's an issue that they could just say, we're thankful for this decision. Praise God, lives are saved. Praise God that we're morally, um, we're actually reflecting the law of God now, or, or at least opening the door to do that more. They can't just say that. They have to, in the same breath, uh, talk about their progressive con uh, credentials, um, that they're, they're not really conservatives, we're not really liberal, even though we're pushing the needle liberal in the places in which we have influence. Uh, we are just these great, kingdom-minded, consistent Christians, which they're not. They have just have broken moral compasses. Uh, then you have, uh, well, there's just so much of this one. This one was the more common one I kept seeing. The Anne campaign, our conviction is to help the suffering women and children. Uh, that should match our convictions regarding the unborn. Uh, and the Anne campaign made a whole statement. Karen Saul Pryor retweeted it. Micah Edmondson, uh, now that Roe is overturned, I pray that we will provide the access to healthcare, childcare, living wages, education, and job opportunities that will support the lives of people in desperate situations. The church is called to support life, giving and dignity, promoting resources for the vulnerable people at all times, not just now that Roe is overturned. I want to stop and make a point I just thought of. This, this whole treat, watch out for when people like this say church. They often say that the church needs to. There's the institution of the church, and then there's what individual Christians do, okay? The institution of the church 
is and you be careful with that when you talk about what the church should or shouldn't be doing. Uh, there's many things that are fine for Christians to get involved with that aren't necessarily the institution of the church's responsibility or a legalistic standard that needs to be put on all Christians. There's some things that churches are going to be involved with that are going to differ from other churches simply because they're in different areas. You, you might have a church that's near a lot of uh, gay pride marches. They're going to go evangelize at gay pride marches. And that's something that other churches that are in farm areas that don't have that aren't going to be involved with. So it's not like it's a, guess what? Both churches need to go preach the gospel and make disciples, but it's going to look different. And your specific things you're involved with are going to be different. And that's totally okay. And I, I get nervous about when these people like this start saying the church needs to do this, needs to do that. And they start bossing the church around, ordering the church around. And um, and the church, you know, needs to address this, these issues of healthcare, living wages, and childcare, as if that's, that, that's very equivalent. That's just like uh, Christians who opposed ab abortion because it's murder. Um, it's part of discipleship to uphold the, the, and being salt and light to uphold the law of God. That standard doesn't mean that the church applies the law of God, but we, the church upholds the law of God. It's a representative of uh, the, the will of God, the law of God. Um, you can't have that with and make disciples. You can't like not have that and make disciples. So um, it's perfectly reasonable for churches to, um, and, and that is truly being prophetic, by the way, to say that this is some this is a state of affairs that is evil objectively on a biblical standard. Here's what the Bible says in the law of God, black and white, thou shalt not murder. We have a state that is bent on that. We also have uh, a responsibility in our country and the ability to um, vote. And uh, and people are going to, that's part of discipleship, is helping people understand how to vote, how to, uh, how, how to steward that. And so um, when if it's an issue like that where the law of God speaks into the issue very clearly, then yeah, I think the church can speak into that. The church isn't going to be, it doesn't bear the sword, it's not the government, it doesn't punish people who are uh, abortionists, but it is, it, it, you have to preach through those things. And when you make application and you make it to your own society, you're going to be talking about this stuff. So perfectly appropriate for the church to be involved at, at that level in a uh, anti-abortion cause. Um, but uh, this doesn't make the church, now the church to be consistent has to be for a living wage. Uh, well, first of all, that's we're, we're, we're now leaving the law of God, and now we're focused on equitable outcomes, and now we're reorienting the whole mission of the church and what the church is about. That's not about making disciples anymore. That's just making society inclusive, diverse, whatever, some of these things. So th this, is, this is the road to social gospel right here. Uh, Tony Evans made a very similar uh, statement along these lines. And he, he endorses what he calls a whole life agenda. So um, he, he's going down this road. Duke Kwan in the PCA, the overturning of Roe will not erase the concern for many women's health issues and upstream issues of equity, access, and injustice. He goes down the whole road too. Uh, and, and so it's, it's like they're, they're, they're thinking through this issue. They're like, how can we, like, what does this mean? This means that one of the things that we want is happening, but let's remind everyone of how so far we have to go and how if they're for that, they have to be for all these other things. And no, they don't. This is the that holistic life approach. Um, and, and I just want to show people, uh, I have a whole thread here from Thibide Anabwile, the same thing. 
I don't even know if I want to read it. We'll just read it quick. The SCOTUS ruling overturning Roe is one small but massively important step towards ending abortion. It's a small step, right? Massively important. However, it does end the practice, but return it to the states. Uh, he says, um, we need to, let's see. Oh, okay, we need to carry work forward, um, not just to forbid abortion, but to make it unthinkable. There's that word again, unthinkable and create conditions for women that help them escape the dreadful situation altogether. We must advance a pro-abundant life ethic that saves babies, serves mothers, and supports fatherhood. So there you go again. It's creating these conditions. It's, it's not the women so much. It's not their fault. You can almost hear that between the lines. It's not so much women choosing to murder their babies. It is, it's conditions that have led to this, economic conditions. we got to make it unthinkable. So if we bring in, I guess, what's what are we supposed to draw from this? Does, do, if we bring in socialism, does that make it unthinkable? Like, how, what makes it unthinkable uh, is the question. Um, and there, in, in a sin cursed world, there's always going to be abortion. There's always, I'm, I hate to say that, but you're never going to 100% get rid of murder. And I, I think some of these people, the, the, the language they're using, unthinkable keeps coming up. This is a way, I think, to try to wed the conservative Christians with progressives because progressives have been saying this for years that they just want to reduce the number of abortions and and the conditions the situations that lead to an abortion we must address those not make it illegal just address those and, and there's a combination of these things going on in the heart of what was once conservative christianity but it's not much different than what lebron james yes all right the lebron james the great evangelical thinker who just retweeted it was uh, if this was about babies, there would be universal health care, free education, free daycare. Southern states would be doing all they can to drop the black maternal mortality rate. This is about power and control. That's not much different than what you're seeing from evangelicals. LeBron James is saying something pretty similar that, you know, you're basically a hypocrite if you're not going along with all these other things, because that's just one part of like the 15 pro-life issues out there. And you had J.D. Greer say a lot of true and good things, uh, but he also got in on this, and here's what he said uh, this past Sunday. He hasn't tweeted anything, posted anything that I can see on this, but he did say this. Now, one final thing before I pray, and that is I want to address what was and is a historic event that took place this past week, one in which um, we celebrate an answered prayer, um, one that gives us the continued opportunity as a church to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, and also one that I know is connected to past brokenness and pain for many, um, both in our community and also some in our congregation. Um, Friday, this past Friday was a day that I thought I might not see in my lifetime when the Supreme Court of the United States acknowledged that there is no constitutional right to an abortion and they turned this decision back over to people in individual states to decide that. Some at church, without apology, without qualification, we have prayed for an end to, an, to abortion because we believe it is the shedding of innocent blood. And it does not matter what else we say about it. Oh, it's gonna create poverty. It's gonna create hardship. You do not address those problems by killing innocent children. At the heart of the abortion debate is what we call the belief in the Imago Dei, the image of God. All those made in God's image are precious to God. Whether we're talking about immigrants, whether we're talking about the poor, or whether we're talking about children in the womb, they're all precious to God and their lives deserve protection. So that's J.D. Greer. Uh, David Platt also said something fairly similar 
And here's what he said uh, this last Sunday. This is why we care so much about an issue like this. And not just about those children in the womb, but children made in his image out of the womb. And moms and dads who are made in his image. And even all kinds of people who believe differently about abortion than we do, who are also made in his image. And today, on our first gathering as your church following June 24th, 2022 in our country, we thank you that for the first time in almost 50 years in our country, it's no longer seen as a constitutional right for people to take the lives of children that you are forming in their mother's wombs. God, we know every good gift comes from your hand, and this is a good gift that you have given our country by your grace for which we give you glory. And yet we know, God, that there is still so much work to be done, legislatively across states and personally across the lives of so many people. We think today of women with unwanted pregnancies who feel like abortion is their hope and they feel like they just lost hope. Even as they watch people, including us as Christians celebrating this decision. So God, we offer ourselves to you for their sake today. And we pray that you would help us to love them and the dads involved in their pregnancies well. Help us to care for them selflessly, to serve them, to honor them, to work for their sake, to address all the reasons, personal and relational, social and economic and educational and spiritual and otherwise that lead them to desire abortion or decide to abort a child. God, help us to provide the support they need to care for their children, or when that's not possible, to care for their children in our own homes. God, help us as your church to lead the way in foster care and adoption. May we be known, oh God, for loving and honoring and caring for every single person fearfully and wonderfully made in your image, including children who are unborn and born, and moms and dads with unwanted pregnancies, and every person who views abortion differently than we do. And in all of this, oh God, help us to hold out true hope to all people. So you get the impression that you know this was the state-sanctioned murder of children was only one of the pro-life issues. Name for me any other group in this country that has state had state-sanctioned constitutional protection to murder any class. What, what group of people, what class of people ever had this? In the, in the, in the same era, we're talking about this the last 50 years, what name for me a group? That's, what, that's why this, this whole, the wheels come off this whole thing. If this is about murder and God's law and what it says about the unjustified taking of human life, then this is, the, this is rectifying that. And now on the state level, the battles are gonna be in the states in which it's still legal rectifying it there but there's what, what are these other issues though the, these other issues there's so far to go it's just one it's like a small step what, what is that uh there was some interesting reactions in fact maybe i'll save this i think i'll save this i have david french and karen swallow Pryor and the, the christianity or the uh, gospel coalition stuff lined up i think i'll save this though and we'll just go back to the the initial slide here of what i'm seeing and so i'm, I'm still developing this a little bit i'm still thinking through this but you have silence, you have support, but express disapproval towards conservatives. You have support, but express concern for mothers. And then you have using the, de the decision to gain Christian support for morally equivalent issues. These are the four responses I've seen. And this is this is coming from people like J.D. Greer, who, remember when, when the Black Lives Matter stuff was going on, and J.D. Greer, I could probably find it and play it, but we, we don't need to. 
he said specifically that uh, the reason that we should just say Black Lives Matter and not all lives matter is because it's Black lives that are specifically being threatened, right? Now, the disagreement with that was that the the whole disagreement with that phrase among conservatives was that um, the impression is, is being given that at a systemic level in this entire country, that the police don't care, that the government doesn't care, the churches don't care, that no one seems to care about black lives. And that's a lie. That's not true. Uh, in fact, if you look at the stats, which we've gone through, um, you actually don't see uh, the disparities, some of the disparities they're saying exist. Like, you know, when you see uh, the amount of uh, crimes and you compare that to the incarceration rate and that kind of thing, you don't see the, you, these disparities come out. You, you actually see, if anything, uh, you're more likely to be lethally shot if you commit a, a similar crime and you're white. And, and so we, we talked about all of that, but that was the issue. It was just an objectively, it, it was Black Lives Matter was giving the impression that like black lives don't matter to a bunch of people in this country at powerful levels and systemically they don't matter. And, and, and so what did J.D. Greer come out and say? It was He basically doubled down and says, no, it's black lives that are threatened in this country. The other lives aren't being threatened. So if you say all lives matter, you're distracting from, you're, you're diluting the emphasis we should have on caring for black lives. Well, here we have a case where objectively speaking, babies have been the only class of people in this country that have been allowed to be murdered with a constitutional protection. That was now overturned. And he basically, J.D. Greer is doing his equivalent of all lives matter. He has to say, say well, it's the immigrants too. And it's, it's these other issues. We have to now talk about, we rush to talk about the mothers real quick. We got to talk about them. We got to rush. To, fathers get usually left out of it. But we got to rush to talk about the mothers. We got to rush to talk about um, uh, other groups of people that might be experiencing some kind of hardship, barrier, discrimination, something along those lines. They don't have a living wage. Oh my goodness. And, and, and so, and, and that doesn't somehow dilute the emphasis on actually celebrating and then continuing to fight to stop the advance of murder. Do you see how this is a broken compass? And you see how the, the, you want to talk about hypocrisy. J.D. Greer, you know, can't he can't bring himself to say all lives matter. That's somehow racist. But he he does the same play. He does the all lives matter thing. He does the well, all kinds of life issues matter. When you have the one actual sanctioned, constitutionally sanctioned killing, uh, protected killing, that's been now ruled to be unconstitutional. So that's, that's um, I'm calling foul on that one. I'm calling, <laughs> that's actually rank hypocrisy. But that's what you get. So um, we're going to talk probably more about this because I do want to address the Gospel Coalition article and some of the other things. But for now, um, God bless. Hope that was helpful for you all. And like I said, more coming. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.